Good uh, morning, everybody. Happy Friday to everybody. Um, it's May 19th on 2023, and I'm very happy to welcome Maria Jose Alberto to our uh, localization fireside channel um, uh, conversation this morning. Um, I'm excited about this conversation. Thanks uh, for being with me this morning, Maria Jose. I appreciate it. Um, and I don't know, I didn't ask you this. Argentina and uh, Toronto are in the same. Uh, time zone, I'm assuming, right? They didn't get you early this morning, did I? No, no. Well, first of all, thank you, Robin, for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here in your fireside chat. Uh, it's not 10 a.m. here, so we are perfect. We are just perfect. Excellent. You're just one hour ahead of us, which is which is which is great. Um, yeah. So, thanks again for being uh, on the discussion this morning with me. Um, it's exciting. You know, I was just um, uh, looking at some of the analytics. This channel I started uh, uh, about a couple of months ago now. And uh, we every Friday we record a uh, an interview with an interesting, uh, such as yourself, professional in the industry, and uh, would like to uh, continue doing so. And the reason for that is um, in a and in the reason the concept behind the channel is a fireside chat. It's a casual chat. You don't need a PowerPoint. You need to. You don't need to stress about the conversation. And I tell the audience and the and the invitees to the uh, chat is. Imagine yourself sitting at a coffee shop with me, having a conversation about the industry and let it be relaxed. We're not, we're not, you know, nobody, it's our opinion. Nobody is being uh, forced to adopt the opinion, but maybe sometimes we influence people in the way we think, uh, which is uh, hopefully to the positive, which is, which is great. Um, I heard a lot about you. I've worked with you in the past. You've got a very interesting career. Um, <laughs> Would you mind telling us to get us started, tell the audience about yourself a little bit, about how did you cross the um, localization industry? It's a very interesting in this industry. Everybody's got a story. <laughs> Everyone has a past. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was I started in the industry like 20 years ago. I got my degree when I was 21. I am 42. Um and at first, I really didn't know what to do with my career because 20 years ago, it was like, or a bit more, it was like, uh, it, it, it had nothing to do with what we see today as regards um, how things are moving, and the fast they are moving, all the jobs that we see, all, I mean, it's a completely different world. So the expectation was at first to be a, an English teacher or start working in companies as a bilingual secretary or something. And then uh, I started giving teaching uh, in companies uh, because I wanted to get some translations. Uh, I'm an English into Spanish translator. Uh, and after that, I said, okay, well, this is not my path. This is not my career. I wanna be a translator. I have to start somewhere. And I had a friend, she said, uh, there, there was a translation company in Argentina called at the time, Idea Factory Languages, run by Teddy Bengtson and Fiona Ainu. And, uh, and this friend said, okay, they are looking for people here. Come in, come with me and, and I'll, I'll introduce you. So that's how I started. And uh, it was amazing. I got like in love with all the things that I saw. There were project managers, translators, editors, proofreaders, uh, uh, DTPers. It was like, Oh my goodness! I was like, I, mean, I was missing that part of the of the story. So I stayed there for a couple of years. Uh, I learned a lot, um, and then I said, okay, I wanted to have to run my own business. So I left, and I continued working. And many many years after that, um, 
I also started attending some conferences and um, in one of them, I got in touch with some other Argentinian uh, entrepreneurs and ASL, the Argentine Association of Linguistic Services started to, to, to get going. And uh, I was, uh, I am one of the founders of the Argentine Association, which is an association of translation companies. Uh, there wasn't an association like that in Argentina at that time. So apart from running my business and having employees and all, I mean, that you know about uh, a business, um, I also do things that have to do with, uh, with something else and something that goes, and I love that because that's volunteer, uh, that's um, you are involved in things that uh, uh, you, you don't know sometimes the impact that's going to have in the rest of the world. Uh, or, or in the rest of the companies, for example, in Argentina, when we started working as an association, all the things that we managed to do together, that was amazing. It was amazing how it changed uh, the industry, the local industry. So uh, that's one of the things that I do. And I also uh, participate in women in localization, again, promoting and uh, the, the women in the industry. So I'm a passionate of the industry. I really like it. I, I can tell you many things, but I think that uh, the most um, the, 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 the basis of all this is that I'm a passionate of what I do. I really love it. And, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> and I know you and I uh, work together on creating a partnership agreement between yeah. the Canadian Language Industry Association exactly. and the and I really enjoyed our interaction. And that's how I come to know you at the time uh, through, the, uh, through the partnership. I've heard about you, but that's, that was my first interaction uh, with you uh, during that partnership that we created between uh, the ASL and the uh, uh, CLIA now, Canadian Language Industry yes. Association Canada, which it's having its first, uh, well, first conference, physical face-to-face -face conference um, in uh, Montreal on uh, May 24th and 25th. Which congratulations is, on that congratulations on that the effort is tremendous i know um, it's after covid you know uh two years in covid we did not do face-to-face -face meetings uh face-to-face -face conferences um this is the first one we're doing a face-to-face -face plus a bit of a hybrid uh, uh conference that's taking place it's going to be an exciting one uh, we've got a lots of speakers coming in uh mm -hmm. one day uh, two days actually and we have a gala the night before hopefully everybody gets to see each other and after a long time not seeing each other and enjoy the and, and enjoy the festivities but also we're celebrating our 20th year anniversary uh for the association as well so wow um wow. so take me a little bit about uh talk a little bit about you know i know you liked the industry when you first took on your job and it's sort of like what happened to me because you know, I'm not sure if you've heard my story because it's also coincidental that I got into the industry 20 years ago to uh, today. Uh, um, I uh, was coming back uh, from a business trip. I was sitting on a plane. The individual was sitting beside me, um, happened to be an old friend of mine, but he runs a translation company at the time. And it was based in Moncton, New Brunswick. And a two hour flight later, he convinced me that I should join him. <laughs> and, and, and I'm going on two emotions here. He's a, you know, a friend and yeah, sure. I'll try something new. And I, in an industry, I did not know much about nevertheless, nevertheless that I didn't know existed, to be honest with you. Uh, the fact that I, at the time I spoke two, three languages, it didn't mean that I'm a translator. I thought, you know, that's something that you do. You mean you want something translated, either you speak the language or you take it to somebody who speaks the language. I didn't know there was a formalized industry around this. 
Um, and I fell in love with it. I mean, I'm a technologist by background, but uh, when I got into the language industry, I saw the impact we're making on people's lives. And, and you're right, you bring up a very good point on ASL and how it changed a few things for you when you guys started working together. The impact of language communication on every individual on the planet, okay. it is tremendous. Totally. Um, it doesn't matter what demographic uh, pockets that we try to address in our communication. It doesn't matter who we're trying to talk to, uh, be it commercially or be it from a um, communication, just communication perspective, health and safety, um, the political, whatever the communication that okay. you communicate, uh, that ubiquitous format that, um, that goes across all the demographics that now everybody understands the messages that you're trying to send to. Yeah. It's just the impactful, positively impactful on everybody. And you feel like everybody now is getting engaged um, and, and everybody now is on the same wavelength in terms we're disseminating the information equally to everybody. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of work to be done. Obviously, we're creating more content. Content is piling up. Yeah, and of course. After the pandemics, right? After the pandemics, that was a boom. But um, imagine that in Argentina, Argentina is a, is a country in which uh, industry evolved a lot. I mean, when I started working and when I got my degree, there was no industry as such. Um, and nowadays, we have many, many companies, translation companies um, that work in a very professional way. Um, a mature, it's a mature market here. Uh, and it took us quite some time and quite some work to show that to the government, for example, because they didn't know what we did. They said, okay, you speak, you speak English or you speak languages, what do you do? Uh, and when we sat at their table, uh, I remember those uh, conversations, it was like explaining them, okay, uh, when you turn on your phone and you select the language, there is a company behind that working on localization. So they said, oh my God, really? So people started understanding what was it about? And um, it took a lot of uh, teaching, teaching. And um, I mean, people in, in, in government were like, oh, really? Oh, so, so it, it, they started like um, understanding the impact, as you said before, uh, we have in all industries, not only in ours, because we are a cross industry. <laughs> Um, That's why like associations such as the ASL and the Canadian Language Industry Associations, those associations and many other associations around, mm -hmm. around the world. Um, you know, I, I had uh, on this channel, uh, Carrie Fisher, which is yeah. the president of uh, Women in Localization. I had uh, Charles Campbell, uh, which is uh, um, with the new association for Latin America. Mm -hmm. He's doing a great job there. We need more of those associations because not just to connect our industry players together. That's one way. That's one reason. The second thing is to educate and to influence the policies, which is very, very important. There's two levels of there's two levels of involvement I see for all of our associations, um, uh, locally and globally, is to influence the policy to to allow for more and more communication. And to educate the decision makers at a policy level, what is needed and how can it get done to make sure that we're doing things adequately. Like there is no reason why a health and safety guideline in a uh, construction environment in country, whatever that country is, doesn't matter to be only in one language. We all know that everybody is, the world is interconnected mm -hmm. and uh, people are not necessarily 
just speak one language and understand it correctly. Like people say, oh, I speak English or I speak Spanish. Yeah, you know, and I <laughs> just came back from Mexico. I'm saying, yeah, I speak Spanish. Well, I can order a beer. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but there is, I think there is another thing very important here, uh, which is that we show or we lead businesses. And as such, we need to show them, of course, policymakers, how these changes are taking place in labor, for example. I mean, we don't work, I mean, sometimes it's like if, if laws were behind the industry, we have a global workforce today. Uh, it's not just we, that we work from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. Uh, it's a completely different world. So yeah. it's our role. I mean, the people who have a voice in the industry and who, who work towards uh, these goals, we need to show policymakers how this has evolved and how we need to uh, have other regulations, updated regulations uh, yeah. that match our markets and that match a global ecosystem. Uh, I think that's a very important thing that has to needs to happen sometimes, um, maybe in other countries, that, not, not particularly in Argentina, um, but they are evolving more uh, than in others. But there, uh, we are like, uh, as regards regulations, we are behind and the industry moves at a speed that it's like impossible <laughs> sometimes to, um, to make them understand that they need to change. Tell me a little bit your perspective on the uh, Argentinian uh, translation or localization market. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, uh, from my perspective, at least, I see two markets in Argentina. I see a local market and I see an export and import market. Um, mm -hmm. Am I correct there or is there a different view of this? So let's say, take an example. I know um, ILS is your, uh, is your company. You founded the company and that's and, and it's it's great to uh, talk a little bit about ILS and on this channel, promote it a little bit for you. Thank you. So, ILS is a uh, a translation company. I'm assuming you found it. You you're running. Mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. have local staff. You have a global staff, and in around the globe, as you mentioned earlier, we all work remotely. So I'm assuming your business is locally and uh, from outside Argentina. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. The thing is that. Um... How is the market in Argentina? Okay, yes, most of the companies export services. Uh, many of our, the translation companies in Argentina work with multilingual vendors. Um, I don't know if all of them, but most of them, most of us, we do that. Mm -hmm. And we have this combination of direct clients and multilingual vendors. This is the typical uh, business model that you will find here. Um, so yes, and most of the companies do that. As to how this is changing well it's sometimes quite complicated for uh, local companies to have in-house employees and to deal with local issues that we have here as regards regulations and taxes and stuff and this dollar that you have different kind of dollars in Argentina this is something really interesting <laughs> our country <laughs> you have yeah uh, so you have the official one the blue one the tourist and the I don't know the soya dollar I don't know it's it's amazing so imagine that uh it's complex as, in terms of visibility in terms of being able to project uh, and to make decisions in the long term mm -hmm. actually um th there is a um uh, quite a difference when you talk about short-term, middle-term, long-term in Argentina is something totally different probably from what you think short-term. 
is short term might be a week <laughs> but and nowadays this year we are in an elections year so imagine everything is quite crazy here but um having said that uh we are our companies work in this global ecosystem so we have the chance to um to work with people all over the world with clients and with linguists and with project managers and um and that's wonderful. So that's why I said regulations need to move on and it need to change because it's not only the translation industry, it's all that has to do with knowledge-based services, actually, mm -hmm. almost in the same way. So, um, so needs, uh, that many things need to be adjusted. But you were saying, um, you asked me about um, the, the market in Argentina. Well, we have a great, we have great um, universities. We have, you know that uh, translators, um, we do a, a four or five year career, university career. It's not um, something that we study a language. I mean, we go through in-depth courses um, dedicated and we see linguistics and phonetics and many, many, many things in translation, of course, um, for many years. So um, we have very good professionals. And sometimes what happens is that um, there are some, even if this has improved with years, um, there is some disconnection between uh, academia and the global market in which we move, we move and we work. So uh, it's our job in translation companies to teach them what's that about, because they can be wonderful translators, but they need to be to develop many agile and many um, soft skills mm -hmm. today. Soft skills today are essential for the industry, really. I mean, uh, academia and industry need to work together to, to evolve. Of course. And the, government. And, and government. government. So it's yeah. the three things. Sure. Because if, yeah. you th if you think about a translator graduated in the 80s, it's completely different from a translator of, from the translator graduated now, A. Okay. B, the needs for the industries, not just the localization industry, all industries have changed. You know, that what was required back then, it is completely different now, like in terms of content creation. I mean, look at the content in the 80s, creating content in the 80s versus creating content now. I mean, you've got, everybody's creating content. I remember my conversation with one of my, one customer and I'm asking the question, so how many content creator you have in your organization? He said about 20,000. And he was referring to every employee in that organization. So <laughs> everybody who writes something, who creates something, that could be a subject to be translated. So we take content from being this much, you know, three decades ago to being like the size of the Empire State Building in New York today. <laughs> because, and then it goes back to the conversation that we're, you know, the industry is struggling with now or not struggling with trying to wrap their heads around it is, you know, you've got content growing exponentially. You've got universities not producing translators at the rate of content, content increase. So in order for us to deal with the content that's being created in a translated fashion, we need to create a whole bunch of, we need to educate a lot more translators to be graduated. So the delta, now, you, now you're left with a gap. And that gap, either we do it, or do, the answer is don't do it, and which is not right, or do it, but use technology to get it done. And that's mm -hmm. where 
you know, companies are faced with a uh, major decision um, in localization or outside localization. Because the localization industry is a service industry. We serve other customers. We serve other needs for other industries. And those industries are saying, I need time to market. I need it quickly. I need it to get out to the market. And yes, I do need a good quality and I need a good price, et cetera. So all the dynamics needs to be in place for commercial and economical transactions. So for us as an industry, struggling with the idea of, oh, should we implement machine translation? Should we not <laughs> choice anymore? You know, whether it all Technology is the same as, as, trans, as trans, translation is um, is across goes across all industries. And today we need to face that and embrace that. I mean, it's uh, it's like that. I remember when we when I started um, with machine translation, it was the year two thousand and eight, more or less. We started working with a company that was starting to implement machine translation. It was awful. It was like you had to do it all over again. I remember as a translator, I did it. I was. This Don't tell me you used logos. Did you use logos? I used things that I no longer exist. I used, for example, I used ambassador. I used uh, log, um, logo port. Ladies that and gentlemen, right down memory lane for everybody. <laughs> no, yeah, this, yeah, back to the future. Uh, this, it was logo port. I remember they said, where's the content? Where's everything, everything going? And it was amazing. Um, then, of course, Trados appeared and MemoQ and all the fancy tools that we have today. Mm -hmm. But uh, we had a great, I mean, it was like a difficult part. Of, but the good thing of that era was era, and I'm calling it an era, because um, we solved things. We put our hands there and we tried to solve things and that changed a lot as well. And when we talk about soft skills and hard skills in people, um, you see now that sometimes it's hard for the new generations to solve things because they are used to touching one button and having things done. Mm -hmm. But we knew the things behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. We knew how to touch things and try to repair that and we got involved and then we got the result or maybe we didn't, but we gave it a lot of a try. Um, and it was quite difficult and that evolved and that was part of technological uh, uh, evolution, of mm. course, but it went in parallel with the translation industry. You know, that creative thinking that you talked about that it's now becomes a more of an HR issue, right? So resources. So mm. you know, hiring the right individuals to do the right stuff, to do the right job. It's a dilemma that everybody is facing across the globe in any industry, not just the localization industry, but in our localization industry, because it's a, uh, I call it the gray matter kind of an industry because we don't make widgets. It's not a defined way of creating things. So we don't create tables. We don't make chairs. You know, you've got a weight, you've got a dimensions, you've got colors. In our translation or localization industry, um, the definitions of what's good in terms of output uh, it's very elusive. Depends on the individual that reads it. Depends on the individual that consumes the content. They can give you a various various ways of critiquing uh, that mm -hmm. said content. And to the translator, to us in the industry, it could be saying it looks good. It's it's a great translation. But to somebody else, they say I don't like it. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, but because there is something new as well that in the past, oh, new or that evolved as well. Um, 20 years ago, you were like, you were a medical translator, you were an IT translator, you were a legal translator. Um, and then because of the kind of companies that start to appear, like, I know, 
the big ones, you know, Silicon Valley companies, uh, just not to mention any <laughs> in particular. <laughs> um, it's like um, everything is, uh, you have content that has all the fields in one same uh, piece of um, article, let's say. You may find something that is, um, imagine um, these kind of marketplaces, okay? So you may have there some legal stuff, terms and conditions and IT content and and every, you need to handle everything. But the most important thing that evolved is to consider the client's voice. And that is really hard to train because you can be a great legal translator, but to, to understand and to develop and, and to go deeper into the client's voice and to understand what they want and because what you said, it could be a perfectly correct translation, but it's not the voice of the client. And client-centric, I mean, you've heard that phrase, I think, I don't know how many times already, but it's like that. We work and, and, and the way we have to work is client-centric. We cannot avoid that. We, it, it, totally the opposite. We need to pay a lot of attention to what and how our client wants to talk to its audience. So, which brings me to another one, which I'm, um, I have not had a chance, which I'm going to try to do a few more episodes on the topic of customer acquisition, customer retention, mm -hmm. um, and, and customer expansion, if you will, expanding the business with a particular customer. How do you do that in your business? I know you run a ILS, so um, customer retention for you, what does it mean? And how do you, how do you, how do you work with that on, on your side? Um... I think that one of the most important things is to be there for our clients. That when you pick up, they pick up the phone, I'm on the other side. And mm -hmm. um, we don't have a, ILS is not a huge company. We are 15 people. Um, but all along these years, uh, I think that one of the most important things was that, I mean, there is um, a very tailored attention to our clients. Um, it's not that the project comes in and today you have a project manager and tomorrow that project is going to be with another project manager. We really track the information and the same person manages that account all the way. Um, so I think that that's a very important thing, or at least it works a lot for me. I mean, to be there and to be um, available for our clients. Um Again, quality matters, of course. And I've heard sometimes that quality doesn't matter or, or that it's, it's like overrated. I say, what's that? Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard that once and I said, well, it's not my, my point of view. I think that quality is everything. That's why we um, not only language quality, I'm talking about the quality when you certify an ISO certification. I mean, you're saying, we want to be good. We want to, it's the quality of the service that we provide. You are saying we provide a service. Uh, so we want to be good at that. It's not just uh, having, you know, uh, running the spell checker in a document. It's how you communicate with your client. It's how you accompany your client with the doubts or whatever it may happen. Or if there is uh, something to have a root cause analysis, we go deeper into that. I mean, um, it's the whole service. And that's where we work strongly. And you seem to um, have repeated customers. Customers coming back because they like yes. this. Uh, repeated. Because... I have I have many of our of the clients that I most, I would say, um, are the ones that I started working with like 20 or 15 years ago. 
Mm -hmm. So I still work with them. And that I think has to go with what I'm telling you. We are there and we not we try not, not just to give uh, a good service. We always try to see also how we can help our clients or if there is something that we can offer beyond or, or see beyond uh, their requests. Um, but it's um, it's quality. That's right. And it's, and it's working responsibly. And sometimes you have to say no. And I think that that's okay as well. And sometimes that's the best thing. Uh, for example, there's something that I always say when somebody somebody new comes in, um, project managers to our ILS, I say, if we cannot do it, we say no. Mm-hmm. It's not that we do everything. We don't do everything. Mm-hmm. We What we do, we do good. That's mm-hmm. the thing. But but that's, you know, fundamental for any business, right? I mean, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, in taking on more than you can chew kind of thing, that's what they say in English. Totally. Uh, to uh to just take it on and not being able to do a good job at it this is mm-hmm. a uh, it goes against uh some business practices but however uh there are some companies out there and 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 um i know you mentioned you're not a huge company but guess what there is 18,000 some odd companies in in this industry uh that they fit in your category um you know you know how the industry is formulated right so mm-hmm. 80% of the industry sits at the top 10 and uh, the rest of the industries, it's the uh, small to medium enterprise. And you know, you've, you know, you you're an example where uh, the you, you as an entrepreneur, you saw an opportunity to create a business in this industry, and you went out and you created it. Um, our business, our industry, actually, you know, one of the main uh, good criteria about our industry is the low barrier to inter- entry when it comes to putting a business together in the localization industry. So, you know, on the most basic stuff, and, and if I was a translator, all I need is a laptop. And, you know, mm-hmm. I can start doing some translation work. And then I can call a few friends and all of a sudden we have a cooperative. Um, on the, you know, a little bit higher, you need a couple of software and off you go, a website and off you go, you can get, you get a translation company going. Now, there is the element of trust in our industry and a trust mm-hmm. internally to our industry. You know, you got to trust your translator, you got to trust your project manager. Everybody needs to develop those trust fabric, I would call it. And plus the biggest trust factor is with our customers as an industry, right? Yeah. So when the industry, and you mentioned like you have some customers that have been with you for 20 years and the biggest, I would assume, the biggest thing is they trust you. They trust you can deliver. They mm-hmm. trust you've got to be there. You trust, yeah. they trust that you are to deliver what you say you are going to deliver. And trust is absolutely, you know, there's this saying I invented years ago, we're as good as the last job we did for anybody. So if you do a good job, they're going to come back for the next job. Mm -hmm. If you do a bad job, it's going to take a long time for them to recover from that and lose the trust. And then you have to regain the trust. It's a business to be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, well, uh, I think it's a, that's one of the most, um, or the things that I, I like the most. I mean, um, because even if sometimes you perceive translation as uh, something like you don't work with people, you work with lots of people all over the world and you have to take care of those people, either your suppliers or your clients. So, um, and trust, as you say, is something that you build with time. It's not something that you... Uh, you get overnight and that is a lot of work that is a lot of work um 
but well, from to me, it's it's the reason why I do it. I really like it. I really enjoy. It. You like it. You like what you do. Now, tell yeah. me. A little bit, I mean, um, from a, uh, uh, I mean, we talk about a woman in localization, and mm. and and my uh, channel. Obviously, I pride myself on empowering women to get into the business and to prosper in the industry. And I know your company, ILS, is a certified woman-owned uh, company. At least, uh, at least that's what yeah. I saw. And yes. I wanna- I want to say I want to put that out there because it's very important. Um, and then at the same time, I want to understand your perspective on that. Like, what's your what's your um, a what's your perspective on on being a woman in this industry, woman entrepreneur, a, a fully successful and functional um, um, business individual in this in this in this industry? And what's your advice to uh, women in general who are aspiring to either enter the industry or be an entrepreneur in the industry? Well, 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 that's a long one. Um, as to women in localization, uh, I've been involved in and participated voluntarily in women in localization for the last four or five years. <clears throat> and I'm uh, Argentina's chapter manager. Um, currently, I've been, uh, I, I service uh, in that role for the last two years. Um, it's, um, <clears throat> I mean, being a woman in Argentina in this industry is pretty, you will see lots of women in the industry. So I don't know why, but most of, um, there are many, many, if you go to universities, because for example, I, I give some um, professional introduction uh, conversations also in, in the last years of the, of, of the career, um, you will see most mostly women. <clears throat> so it's not strange to me to see women in the industry. Um, however, being an entrepreneur is something different. I think that you have to follow your dreams. If you say, if I have to say someone uh, or, or to give a piece of advice, if you really feel it and if you really want to succeed, you have to risk it and you have to go uh, and, and follow your dream. Uh, my company is, um, I invented it from scratch and there is nothing that I love the most. I mean, to see, not to see the result, it's the path is all the things that I've done for the last 20 years that I really enjoy the most. And that is something that you build step by step. And uh, it, it was not um, something that I inherited or something, it's something that I built from really scratch. And, and that's beautiful. I mean, when, when you get to the point of seeing the, 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 all, all the years of work, that's, that's great. Uh, as to women in localization, women is a, a wonderful space where uh, women can uh, participate and do some do networking and and learn from people all over the world. Uh, because from the pandemic onwards, um, there are many many webinars and many you know well, the pandemic was like full of webinars, but um, that remained. And now we went again. We moved to um, to some uh, meetings again in 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 person. Let's say in person. So. Um, <clears throat> there is this uh, hybrid thing, uh, but you can teach. And the, the good thing is that those new translators that are coming to the end of their university career, they can join. It's free, and it's just the networking that you need when you start your career. So it's a great place to begin networking and meeting people all over the world. So great. Um, the uh topic that we did not really dive into it in detail and I'd like to get your opinion on is uh, the latest uh, technology and the impact that this is having on your business. And I appreciate your opinion on 
What do you think of it uh, from an industry perspective? And specifically, I'm talking about chat GPT or generative AI um, mm -hmm. or uh, the entire machine translation um, uh, gamut, if you will. Everybody's got a machine translation now uh, out there. So what do you think of all this? Uh, and what's the impact to your business? Mm -hmm. And what do you see the impact is on the industry? Well, um, technology again. We need to cope with content. Content is, as you said before, is increasing second by second. So we need to do something with that. And technology helps as it helped machine translation. Um, I think that is not, I mean, we don't have to fear of that. We need to, because I was, for example, at the gala conference in Dublin. And there was a whole chat on this, and it was like, it was like devil. <laughs> yes, and I remember those years when machine translation was the same. Same idea. So, same thing. So I said, okay, let's not fear. We are not going to die. This is yeah, just no. technology advancement, and we need to get used to it. Again, we need to embrace things, but we need to be careful because things can get dangerous if we don't use this uh in a reasonable way and being cautious i think that technology is awesome but we need to set some boundaries um there is a lot of um data privacy to consider there is a lot of things that our clients um and the compliance today matters our clients ask us for compliance agreement and we, we need to be cautious i think but mm. we need to embrace it uh when we, we just kind of use it. Um, I think that, for example, GPT is restricted for some certain things, right? Uh, if you ask like things that you shouldn't, uh, it's not going to give you information and yeah. I know how to plant a bomb or something like that. I think it doesn't work like that. But uh, you have to be careful in terms of, uh, I think that data privacy is a, a thing to consider. Um, but again, as a concept, I embrace technology. Um, and we we need to understand that it goes hand in hand with translation and with the localization industry. Yep. We just need to see what happens, and we just uh, I don't I don't think we can talk today about the extent or how it's affecting uh, at a great scale um, because we are like cautious. But um, I think it will evolve. I think it will be another tool that will be able to. Uh, to build something new, because again, as professions evolved, and now we have different roles in the translation industry. We are not just translators; we have many other uh, jobs and and and, and roles. Um, this is the same, and we need to adapt. That's right. Otherwise, sure. what happened to dinosaurs? They didn't adapt, <laughs> and they became extinct. So, <laughs> so this is evolution. It's like that. That's my opinion. So, um, and, and I'm glad, and I'm glad uh, uh, you're in the camp of saying uh, adopting the technology and adapting our ways of working with technology so we can evolve together. Uh, you bring up a very good point on security, data privacy, ethical use of, of, of uh, machine translations. Um, it all has to fit within the ISO certification and all the certifications that our yeah. companies have. You cannot go outside of that uh, because you know, the customer will not end up getting what they're supposed to be getting. And I think there are a couple of standards being developed on that one too. Mm -hmm. um, the um, the one thing on my mind, and, and that's my personal opinion, people can feel free to disagree with me, on machine translation with all the adaptability and all the embracement that we need to do, 
uh, for uh, the new tech and take on the new tech. It's not going to take us away. I agree with you. I wrote a blog on this one, you know, a couple of years ago. I, I called it we are going to be living in a, a coexistence of an environment where you have a human and machine working together uh, to deliver something for the next foreseeable future. We're not going to be able to replace the human because the human needs to train uh, police, if you will, uh, make sure that the uh, machine is producing what exactly needs to be produced. The one thing that really worries me is that a preservation of languages in general. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, A, um, by simplifying languages, and I think there are some aspect to that, it's not producing incorrect translation. It is producing quality translation in some cases. But I feel like, the way we're communicating, and, and that's the generational, I guess, ev evolution where you've got, like you mentioned earlier, people like uh, pressing buttons and, you know, texting each other on in three letter words that I don't understand now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming, you know, it, you know, I mean, the world has thousands of languages and I'm assuming we're going to get to a point where some of these languages are eroding and probably disappearing. And that's happening now. Um, I would assume that the quality of the languages, if we don't insist on the MT and the chat GPT to, in, to produce higher quality languages, mm. I go down I, I, if, we, if we don't do it right. So there is a lot of a stake here for us as an industry to embrace the technology and shape the technology for the preservation of languages and for the preservation of correct communication in the, down the road. That's why. That's why I totally agree, and and I think that um we don't need to we don't need to fear technology and the future. We need we are here to shape it. So if we have that in mind, I think that that's the way to go. I mean, it's not that the machines will rule. The thing, the important thing is that human beings are conscious enough to shape the future in a way that is good for all for all of us. And um, uh, I, I think that uh, technology is really, really important, but uh, and and I mentioned this um, in 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 gala when I was uh, um, it was like uh, um, running for candidacy in the board last year. Um, to me, human training is so is as important as technology. I mean, mm. people need to get trained. You can have the best technology, but if you don't have people who know how to handle the technology in the right way, what do you do with technology? I mean, so this has to evolve and to grow in the same way. That's right. And um, I would just, uh, you know, we're coming up to time here. I just want to make sure I um, uh, give you the last chance to uh, say a few words. Uh, okay. Thank you for being with me. Uh, thanks for your time today. I'm honored that you joined uh, me on the conversation this morning. And absolutely pleasure to have you on the channel. And I welcome you back anytime. Uh, hopefully next time we'll get you back to make a major announcement and uh, <laughs> about your continuous success and uh, really proud of this uh, conversation that we had this morning. And uh, any any final thoughts on your side? First of all, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, and thank you for for sharing with, with me your time as well this morning. To me, it's really important. I know we met uh, in different presidents, panels and, and stuff, and I really enjoyed that. But the most important thing is that, um, that I would say is that we are using our voices right. I mean, 
this space is for people not just to know us, but to know about the industry, what we do, where we want to go, how serious our, in our industry is and how professionals we need to be when we talk about technology and, uh, and what translation and localization mean in our world today. So uh, thank you for this, uh, for giving me this space to say it. Um, and uh, one of the most important things that you mentioned before is trust. Uh, we have to build trust with our suppliers, with our whole ecosystem. Uh, and it's a human service what we do. So Absolutely. thank you. Absolutely. Thank you again, uh, Maria Jose Alberto, for joining me this morning. And I want to thank the audience uh, for uh, taking the time, watching the video, subscribing to the channel, and being part of my uh, podcast channel. I just want to remind everybody as well uh, that this is not supported by my employer. I mean, I got a few questions. <laughs> uh, this is a personal initiative. I do it on my own time. We record the videos on Friday. I edit the videos during the weekend. And I published them uh, early uh, the following week. So it is a personal initiative. It is not funded by anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my time and my effort. So I am as well, like the rest of the, uh, the interviewees that I brought to this channel uh, over the time here, uh, passionate about the industry. And I thought to do something uh, for the industry. So I launched uh, this uh, initiative. So thanks again, everybody. I appreciate your time this morning and look forward to catching up with Maria Jose next time. And uh, uh, look forward to uh, any comments um, that you might have. So keep us engaged, keep the dialogue going uh, for us uh, together in this, uh, in this space, localization fireside chat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.